Welcome to Kid Tech, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with the influencers, the makers, the creators, um, and in some cases, the writers behind the kids' digital media sector. I'm Dylan Collins, CEO of Super Awesome, your host. Today, I'm very pleased to be dialed in with Kate Boyle, CEO of Banjo Robinson, which is your child's magical pen pal. Hey, Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Dylan. Thanks for having me. So, Kate, who are you? As in, like, what, what, what is your story? What were you doing before you started Banjo Robinson? Uh, so I, uh, my background is in film. I uh, moved to Los Angeles in my late 20s and I worked in script for about eight years. I started mm-hmm. off in the mailroom at William Morris in Beverly Hills. Uh, and then I worked um, on the literary desk over there um, with sort of uh, deal memos for all the, the, the documents that right. happened to, to put those deals together. And then um, I worked for a very fantastic screenwriter called Eitan Cohen and I worked in script development on... Um, a slate of um, movies, you know, that are sort of three mo- three years in development. So mm-hmm. uh, very long um, development process, getting the script ready for production. Um, I I was doing a little bit of background, and am I right in thinking that you were involved in Ghostbusters three? <laughs> yes, I was <laughs> very early on. I think actually that was when I that was when I came back to the UK at the beginning of that process. But I right. did, um, yeah, did the, did a lot of the early. Um, uh, sort of brainstorming meetings with Eitan and um, all the all the the, the, um, the studio and the director and the original um, right. writer and stuff. So yeah, it was a very interesting and fun project. And I had I spent a, mo- a lot of my time on Men in Black. Very cool. Uh, so that franchise. Well, we yeah. should. I mean, maybe we should consider a separate episode almost uh, around those two movies. Um, I mean, everybody feels like they should have written a book, and I w- and I'm definitely one of those everybody. And I particularly mm-hmm. wish I'd written a book about um, about that experience because it was just so rich and interesting, fascinating um, that process. We we will come back to that perhaps later on or <laughs> on a later show. We shall see. But how did you go from being involved in things like Men in Black and Ghostbusters to Banjo Robinson? I mean, it seems like a bit of a jump to sort of pen pals for kids. Oh, it's really not. It's it's um I can see how it looks that way, but actually I think everything I've ever done has led to this. Um yeah. and and everything that I ever wanted to do or was good at. Um, sort of led me down this path. So I grew up, my dad would write letters to me as a child and right. he would just leave them around the house for me to find and I would write back and I found that, you know, sort of made me feel special and noticed and loved and it was just a lovely thing to do. And he still does it now. He still writes me um, notes and advice, um, you know, and they've changed style over the years. They're more like, you know, when I was 20, it was like, get a job, move out of the house. <laughs> When I was younger, they were sweeter. Um, no, they're, they're lovely. And um, I've been always very lucky to have those um, from him. And, and you know, and, my house. And actually, yeah. it's, it's probably worth sort of pausing at this point for, for everyone listening. I mean, how would you like, so we, I, you know, the, the intro was your child's magical pen pal. Yeah. But what is Banjo Robinson? So it's for everyone yeah. listening across the industry. Yeah, I'll start there. Describe it. Yeah, so Banjo is um, a, a magical uh, cat who travels around the world. Um, if you imagine Father Christmas or the Tooth Fairy, there's a sort of magic make-believe element to it. Um, mm. And he sends letters to children, which are children's literature, personalized children's literature. 
uh, twice a month from different countries around the world. And the clever thing about the product is that children write back to him. So you might have a reluctant reader and writer um, who doesn't like long format or who, you know, doesn't want to write to, uh, you know, doesn't want to write a creative story or, mm. or write to their godmother a thank you letter, but who gets a letter from this traveling cat um, at the age of five, six, seven, um, and it's covered in stickers and paw prints and goodies and fun things inside. And, um, you know, unprompted, they will run to find a letter, you know, a piece of paper and write back to him. So the kids, they write back to Banjo, they leave um, a reply underneath the sofa before they go to bed. And then in the morning, um, they find that their reply has been collected magically by Banjo overnight. If you've got a dog called Pogo, Banjo will mention him in the letters and uh, Pogo mm. will have been in on the game. And then our platform allows parents to add a PS message to the end of the next letter that the child receives. So the next letter might come from uh, Peru and it might say, I'm in Peru, I'm having a great mm -hmm. time, yada, 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 and talk a bit about culture, language, music, history, animals, fun stuff in Peru. And then the PS message at the end of that letter will have been written by the parent in most cases. And it will say, congratulations on your gold star. And I heard you, you know, I heard on the cat vine or Pogo told me you got a gold star in gymnastics mm -hmm. or, you know, I, you know, I heard, you know, Oreo told me that you've got a new baby coming into the family and I heard you a bit worried about the change, but you don't worry, you know, I love you and your parents love you. And it's, and it's right. just a lovely reciprocal back and forth throughout the year. Interesting. So I, I can certainly see from your childhood with the letters from your yeah. dad and, and how you got to Banjo Robinson in terms of what it is today. But I, yeah. I suppose, what was the catalyst? When did you start working on the company? So I was writing letters from LA to my friends back home who had children. Right. And so that was, uh, you know, was sort of a natural um, uh, evolution that I would send them, you know, I would try and make them fun for the adult and fun for the child as well. So they had right. in jokes for the parents, my friends, and they were written from this cat. Um, and then I started getting replies and parents would say to me, you know, I've got a reluctant boy who's sort of more of a maths kid and he doesn't like reading but he hmm. was up late last night writing to banjo or you know my kid was uh you know you'll get someone crying and, and really emotive and really emotional because their child had been so uplifted by this hmm. uh friendship that they have with a cat and i realized that um uh you know it's such a shame that that thing that happens at christmas when a child or a reluctant reader or writer writes to father christmas right. that that then uh, is just a, a singular you know one-off event throughout the year or even mm. you know parents are writing more and more to their kids as the tooth fairy but it happens um you know it happens infrequently and this was a way um to uh take advantage of that educational aspect of the of the process um and and turn reading and writing into a game so books encourage reading but letters you know have that sort of uh mm. invitation to write back and i saw that right. as a real i think i realized very quickly from the feedback and from the replies i got from children and from their parents enthusiasm that there was a double buyer incentive there that the child mm. loved it that the parent loved it and that it was basically personalized children's literature but with a subscription business model so right. the investors right. loved it too right right uh, and when did you start it officially um, I think I registered the company in 2017, spent that year, I mean, I was recently back from America, just building up my network and trying right. to meet some people that could show me how to get this off the ground in a more meaningful way. And that's where America loops in because I went there interested in sort of storytelling and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the channel, the, the, the medium for that at the time was film, but I was always interested in mass and scale and scope. You know, I wanted to be work on movies that, that had an audience that was seen 
Um, and uh, I didn't want to do this business from my kitchen table. I wanted it to have growth um, funds, right? You know, from the moment I had the idea, I wanted it to be funded and um, right. knew that growth capital was going to be a part of that. And so building up that network and then eventually getting into tech stars and, and um, meeting all those people was really helpful and, and impactful. And as a, as a result, you know, we, we have funding from uh, Sesame um, Ventures, which is, you know, Sesame Workshops. Right. And, 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 and a few others. And I, I want to come to the, the financing yeah. a little bit later on, because I think that's a fascinating topic, um, yeah. particularly at the moment and for, for all startups. Um, but I, I kind of want to ask a more basic question. I mean, from, yeah. from, from a kid's perspective, um, what even are physical letters in 2020? Like, and, and by, <laughs> by that, I mean, yeah. like, no, I know what you mean. Do, do kids think of letters yeah. the same way that we thought of letters back in the day when we were kids? Well, we have done something with our letters. So they are, I mean, it's like comparing apples and oranges. They are, our product is super fun, really colorful, covered in stickers and paw prints with recipes from around the world inside. The reply sheets have got, you know, Banjo's writing. We have a page from his sketchbook, which is a coloring in activity. There's a big, beautiful map of the world that's, uh, you know, this gorgeous, colorful thing full of little, um, uh, visual uh, jokes and uh, animals and um, it's teaching you about continents and countries and cities but it just mm. looks gorgeous so the whole thing is quite an offering and and when you unpack it there's there's a lot um, there's a lot to it um, but essentially they respond to it in the way that they do children's literature so they're written by Anna Kemp who's a well-known well-loved children's right. author um, and you know they are their narrative in style so they have a beginning a middle and end um, mm. There's a large font, lots of illustrations, and um, you know, children uh, respond to them that way. But there's this mm. added layer of um, game and play, I suppose, because whether they know their parents are in on Father Christmas or not, um, there is this magic to it. You know, they they get they start talking to their they start talking to their dog Pogo because mm. Banjo's friends with Pogo, and parents right. will find them talking to this. Um, pet and say you know uh they'll say you know, make sure you get my letter to banjo tonight and there's and they'll ask a million questions about banjo so the family immediately kind of comes together as this quite a bonding um mm. a bonding thing educational fun and also quite sort of family focused so mm. there's a lot going on and, and in terms of how children respond to a letter as opposed to something digital which i think is what you're mm. sort of getting at you know it's it's so it's such a fundamental and quite simple thing mm. it's not child based it's universal if you dylan received a letter from a loved one and an hsbc bank statement and the letter from the loved one somebody's drawn on the envelope you know a heart or a joke yeah. and taken taken a moment taken some time it's impossible to convey that over email the, mm. the sort of time i stopped what i was doing i closed everything off i had no distractions i sat at my desk and i wrote to dylan and I, and I thought about Dylan and I only thought about Dylan in that time. That's what you get in a letter. And that's why even you as an adult, me, doesn't matter what country you're from, what age you are, if you're a child mm -hmm. or an adult, you're always going to go for the letter from your friend over a bank statement. And, and that's the appeal of Banjo's letters. Right. And I mean, parents must love you. Do they see you, do they see Banjo Robinson as educational or entertainment? both so we've just done a lot of um customer development and research into this so uh we were really hoping there would be one thing that would spring out and we could just be very simple in our messaging but 
um, over and over again, every time we look at this, the adjectives that they use talk about joy. The word love is used over and over and over and over again. I loved it. My child loved it. Our mm. teachers love it. We've told everyone we know. She squeals when she opens a letter. She's so mm. excited. He can't wait for the letters to arrive. He's been banging on about when the post is going to come for mm. ages. We get, um, you know, the level of excitement, uh, as I said, you know, really actually like emotional parents who say that right. it's like, Right. changed the vibe of the family changed the mood of their child lifted mm. you know the sort of um mood in lockdown but then educationally as well it's you right. know we're talking about geography literacy empathy because he writes in first person um we have a recipe from each country music dance mm. uh, culture the older product is time capsules from the past so historical letters from his ancestors historical cats writing to children across time space continuum right. um, but for the younger children it's um yeah it's it's a real one-stop shop we're very curriculum aligned and it was developed by teachers and, and yeah what, what's what's the core user base so well, you, you talk about younger and older can you yeah, the core user base is sort of five to eight, although we have some eight year olds who have an older sibling who are starting to not believe in Father Christmas and they're, you know, right. they, they enjoy it from the perspective of personalized children's literature, but in the way that you might read about Hogwarts, but you might not think Hogwarts is real. You right. Know, they, right. They, they, they're responding to it that way. And I mean, COVID-19 has obviously shut down schools for kids um, almost everywhere at this point. Um, yeah. and every um, consumer-facing kids product or service is, is sort of seeing a lot of different, some predicted, some unpredicted impact of this. How's your business being, being affected by what's going on? It's been, uh, it's been very busy. So we have, uh, you know, five times sales every day since schools closed down. Um, wow, really? A 5x yeah. increase? It's yeah. yeah. And we have... Um, uh, lots of market pulls, so um, uh, everything from investors to um, people offering us money to put into growth, you know, sort of uh, not investors, what am I trying to say? Um, what are those companies called that do that? <laughs> they're not really, they're like bridge round people. They're not like- Like venture death. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those people and then sort of um, everything from VCs to angels. Um, and then, you know, people wanting to have letters in their own language. So we have, we send letters to around the world and we have um, a family in Portugal um, that was saying, uh, they, they love it because they're an English language um, speaking family, but they, they wanted to tell their friends about it and have a Portuguese mm -hmm. version. And yeah, so there's a, a lot of is, is your current audience based mostly in English speaking languages? I would yeah, guess. yeah. And that's our business focus for sure. So um, yeah, England and America. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, the subscription model has sort of almost been a, like a, a timeless, um, dynamic within the kids and family space i mean you've been running a subscription business model for a couple of years now you know what, what do you feel are the pros and cons of it so i think a lot, a lot of people you know when it comes to sort of rolling out kid services or products or platforms and things mm. like that in the kids sector everyone struggles with monetization right do you do you make it subscription do you make it iap do you make it advertising do you make it a hybrid Mm. Um, what, what do you, what have you learned so far in terms of that monetization model? I think that, um, I hope this answers your question. I'm, I'm about to go down a bit of a rabbit hole. I think that there was, I think that it's a 
obviously it's the, I mean, it's the holy grail of a business model. If you get it right, you've got a positive cash conversion cycle. You've got, um, uh, we have just in time fulfillment. We're not sitting on stock We're you know, we're doing personalized children's literature. There's lots of things that, you know, from a sort of business model, um, work really well with the subscription business for us. I think we saw, um, we saw a, there's a, our product really is more of a hybrid than it seems. It's, right. you know, it's personalized children's literature, um, but presented through or, or you know, uh, distributed in the format of a letter. Mm. Um, it's a subscription box, but mass because uh, it's not got the cost of a subscription box to make right. or to sell, you know, to buy. Um, it's uh, character based. So you have subscription boxes like Tukin Box and, Monty kids, uh, you've got KiwiCo, but they don't have a character behind them. So we have a potential for additional revenue um, through merchandise licensing. We're doing a book, um, TV. Uh, we have an English language uh, learning version abroad um, uh, in development, and we have um, you know people wanting to make a game out of Banjo. It's not the right time, but you know you can see that there's that IP that we have that's attached to the uh, the very personal relationship that children have with banjo is something that helps us sort of from a financial point of view and also from a product point of view because it's mm. a more fun product that it's coming from banjo and not from you know a warehouse in in montana or wherever so right, right. um i think we saw like we saw you know elf on the shelf is a really interesting company which is i think as far as i know the only major player in a character-led brand that is in the um, make-believe magical space so our, our eventual goal is to be, you know, Father Christmas, Tooth Fairy, Banjo Robinson. When you have a child that's learning to read and write, you are able to afford Banjo Robinson because we are, you know, just pennies to produce at scale. Mm. And, and we really want it to be incredibly affordable and mass. And that's where sort of, you know, moving to America and seeing how that kind of like how the film industry scales and is, right. is, is um, a sort of a real platform has, has, been, has inspired Banjo. Um, so, yeah, I think that there were sort of lots of people who were doing things similar to us. And then what we've done is we've taken right. the strengths of personalized children's literature, turned it into subscription, taken the strengths of, you know, subscription box, made it mass uh, and, and cheaper. We've taken the strengths of Elf on the Shelf and made it not seasonal. Yeah. Um, and then we're character led, which gives us additional revenue. Um, I can see why yeah. the, uh, the investors are trying to call you. Um, that's, that's quite a good set of boxes that you've ticked there. You mentioned um, warehouses in Montana, and it made me think about Amazon. Um, yeah. I've always been fascinated why some of the, the, the e-commerce companies, I mean, Walmart, when it existed, um, or sorry, not Walmart, but Toys R Us, um, but yeah. Walmart, also Amazon, why they haven't gone more into the subscription family space. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think, I mean, Walmart are really interesting. They're, their model is all about i mean i just see them as just a massive operation that is about connecting and sort of like a hive mentality mm. and i think like sometimes in i don't know enough about it to give you a a, a, mm. a very um intelligent answer but my my instincts would be that you have a you have a strategy to pull the ambition of the Walmart strategy off is, is a certain brain and a certain skill type and a certain type of person. Mm. And I think there's something about Banjo where it needed a little bit of left brain and a little bit of right brain thinking. It needed mm. somebody who was passionate, who like our letters are never going to be written by copywriters who are, you right. know, sort of who we got in thoughtlessly. They are, you know, they're 
thoughtful our artist is you know our illustrator is you know an absolute genius and has produced mm -hmm. gorgeous work as the sort of quality to the creative but then from a business perspective perspective there's some really you know sort of um thoughtful as you say you know the reason that we we had investment was a fairly mm. easy process for us is because there's some there's some really interesting opportunities from a, a commercial point of view mm -hmm. um there's things that we're doing new and differently and better and there's things that you know are um uh quite uh which is it left brain <laughs> yeah yeah there's a there's a real and then there's a play a sense of play and immaturity which right. you know i have as well as a founder i'm 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 interested in the business mm. i'm interested in scale and scope and money i'm also interested in being a force for good and us being a children's brand right. to be proud of that you know has an impact in the world and i'm interested in quality i love dr mm. zeus you know my favorite book is dr zeus you know i'm you know, I, I, you know, for my, for fun, I'll read letters from Roald Dahl's mum to him when he was a boy or, you mm. know, I would live and breathe this brand and this, mm. this, um, this product and, uh, the, the customer journey from beginning to end. And right. I don't know that if you're building a Walmart, if you've got that same kind of, I think that's a particular set of skills and a particular ambition. Mm. And, and I don't think it, it crosses over into ingenuity and being nimble and being, uh, jumping on an opportunity and see, I, I don't, I feel like that's a, you know, right. all the companies you just listed are. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, the kid space for, for so many of these companies kind of to your point is, or has been historically maybe a little too small, a little too sort of handcrafted yeah. know, for anyone who, who has really sort of got something of huge scale to, to dive into. You, you, this, this is sort of a semi elegant segue into talking about investment. Um, <laughs> So you mentioned so you mentioned at the beginning that you raised last year from Sesame Ventures and from Collaborative Fund, which are um, you know great brand name um, investors. Uh, yeah, and also went through TechStars. Yeah, um, I guess a lot of kid tech startups, in particular, find financing very difficult for for some of the reasons that we touched on. Um, what was your experience raising with those investors and and, and raising in general? uh we had when i <laughs> i mean the beginning of the story is when we did our friends and family round and i was introduced to uh the head of a, a vc um in london he was a friend of a friend mm. and he said oh you know i can definitely meet you in like three months time um just so you know you know rich has told me a little bit about you and you you know we write checks for between two and six million and, and at this point i was pre-revenue i didn't have a team i didn't have a product Right. I didn't have anything and I didn't know what a venture capitalist was. I literally Googled what is venture capital. <laughs> and then I went in three months later and he was so kind and he explained to me what this business of raising money was about and how business worked. And he said, look, you're a bit too early. You know, when he told me about the two to six million, I was like, great, I'll take it. That'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Thanks. And then he explained to me, no, you're in the wrong place. You don't mm. understand. But he ended up investing some personal funds because he really liked the project. And mm. he, was, he said that I could use his name and, and that opened some doors and introduced me to some other people. Right. And that whole round was very easy, partly because like ignorance is bliss and I had no idea to expect a right. nightmare. And then we raised last summer and I knew, that, I knew enough to know by then that this was a pre-seed round that fundraising was really hard and can like break a person mm. and that you should never, ever, ever under any circumstances do it in the summer when everyone's away. <laughs> uh, 
So that's what we did. And, um, and again, it was really easy. We got our absolute dream investors. We got people from the East Coast, the West Coast, Europe, um, really amazing angels. There's not a single person on our cap table I wouldn't sit down with um, and want to learn from, want to have dinner with, chat to about this project. Um, that doesn't bring something that isn't either, you know, also a name, but also like a name in terms of, you know, a big name to shout out about, but also a name in terms of someone I actually want to work with. Um, So we had, we've had a really, um, again, like I can't recommend not understanding fundraising enough (laughs) as a way to, (laughs) as a way to avoid um, stress and drama. It was, I think people just loved it. They, they, they saw that it was new. They saw that it was new in a few different ways. Um, they saw that I was really passionate about, you know, the scale and the ambition for the company um, and that I had sort of uh, put together a really good team. And mm. they saw the opportunity both in terms of the commercial win, but also, you know, we love, I mean, I'm not just saying this because of Sesame Ventures, Sesame Street, I've been wanting to do a deal with the Cookie Monster since I was about five. <laughs> <laughs> I love that brand. You know, mm. I love that they're all about diversity and t- talking about empathy and the growth mindset way before it was popular. You know, they, mm. they were talking to the parent and the child. They wanted them both in the room at the same time. The whole right. show was developed by Sesame Workshop um, based on research that they did into child learning. And it's, it's got a, it's education and play. It's wrapped up. Mm. You asked me, what are we? Are we a toy? Are we educational? Mm. Absolutely both. And, and we want to follow in the footsteps of Sesame Street. They are our absolute heroes. Mm. Um, and, and so, yeah, we had a really easy time fundraising because, um, because of that, because there was like heart and soul on top of the commercials and on top right. of the sort of first market and, innovation and team and stuff so uh i can't i can't complain um it was a dream but i think i know it's not going to be like that but i mean i knew after the first time i was lucky and then the second time i was like oh this isn't going to happen again but um you know it's very pleasing to hear that um a charmed life Uh, not really no everything else is hard (laughs) i promise you (laughs) um last question kate um you know you guys are sort of in many respects, kind of at the intersection between, I suppose, digital and physical and entertainment yeah. and education. So you you've, you must have sort of a very, very interesting perspective on all those different elements and, and sort of who's doing what. Um, who do you admire most in the kids space and why? I really like, um, I really like a, 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 a large part of what Elf on the Shelf are doing. Right. So I really like that intersection of, of a character-led brand with uh, magic and make-believe. Hmm. I think if you have children who love magic and make-believe, for whom it is an absolutely integral part of their childhood development, you know, uh, who 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 all go through this pre-rational phase where they they have this amazing imagination and and who really enjoy the the game and conversation and bonding that comes through mm. Tooth Fairy, Father Christmas, Elf on the Shelf. Mm. I think to, to commercialize that, uh, you know, it seems, like a, it seems like a dirty word, but actually mm. I look at it very differently. I think to turn, like Sesame Street did, to turn their research of, you know, you've got a, you've got a, a, a TV has appeared in the 60s, okay, and, and it's addictive and, it, you know, it's... Mm pulling families apart and to use that for good to, to mm. say, okay, well, let's use it as a, a medium for education. 
or to take, you know, the magic and make believe of an elf at Christmas time mm. and to use that as an opportunity to bring families together and to have a bit more magic of Christmas. I mean, there's nothing wrong with July and June and, you know, arguably there's lots wrong with February and January, but, you know, I'm not saying the rest of the year is shite. I'm just saying mm. it's, it's particularly lovely at Christmas when that thing happens and the kids right. are so happy about it. And why not use that? If you can use that, uh, if you can use that magic and joy and get, children writing in a way that they don't normally write mm -hmm. if if they are reluctant readers and writers or even if they just love writing to father christmas at christmas and you can make that an educational um really fun game mm. throughout the year then you are what we are trying to do is revolutionize the way that children learn to write right and i love the elf on the shelf you know you know uh, create those family moments through make-believe. I, I don't mind at all that they're a company and that they're making a profit. I hope they use their profits for good and, you know, mm. and, and uh, you know, and I'm, I'm all for making a profit. I'm all for um, being big and being successful and giving back and being a, a good organization. I mean, my, my, I would say that's the element of Elf on the Shelf that I love, but my heroes are Sesame Street for sure. Um, well, that is an extremely uplifting and inspirational way to end this episode. Kate Boyle, CEO of Banjo Robinson, your child's magical pen pal. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Dylan Collins. <laughs> Bye.